0: Pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
1: Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select campus events. Of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney make everybody count. The volume.
0: Hey, what's up, y'all? T. Bob here. Reminded you that you can come hang out with me and Aaron Murray live on AMP Monday through Thursday. Amp is a new live radio app. You just download it from the Apple store. You can actually call in,
2: text in, chat with us directly during the show. It's a ton of fun. We're at
0: snaps, right? Snaps, your favorite college football podcast at snaps Monday through Thursday, one Eastern noon central on amp, download it and come hang
3: out with us today. Welcome in another daily show of snaps. We got rid of the offensive line. We're doing a quarterback special only show today because we all know it is the most important position out there. Sorry, T-Bob. We'll see you again tomorrow. Make sure right now before we get going, go hit the like button, go subscribe as well. The channel is booming and we're getting ready for a big week next week. Both of us will be in Nashville shooting a lot of content when it comes to the SEC media day. Uh, my special guest I got joining me today, a guy that I've known for a long time, dating back to my time as an Elite 11 kid, and then we were together uh, in Kansas City for two years and then Philadelphia for one year, my boy, Chase Daniel. What's up, brother? Thanks for jumping on with us.
2: What's going on, man? Nice to see you doing your thing. Good to be on the show. See that Georgia helmet in the background, Homer.
3: Ah, yeah, <laughs> I I, need, I do need a snaps uh, helmet. Maybe we'll get that before this Let's starts. go, baby. Before we jump into football talk, when it comes to college football, when it comes to Missouri, Texas, Oklahoma, we're going to be hitting all that. A little Georgia, obviously a little Alabama, trying to get your perspective with those teams. I do want to talk about your journey because it is one of the most unique journeys, uh, probably one of the most difficult journeys of what you've done as as a professional. Uh, And I've kind of talked about you, I think, a decent (laughs) amount on this show just because I respect everything you've done. Obviously, I learned a lot from you during my time in the nfl your mindset and approach has to be so unique from what you've done over the past 14 years kind of break that down for me because i would love to hear it from you kind of i have my thoughts on it i've shared it on the show before but would love to hear from you of of, of your day-to-day mentality of, of how you've been able to accomplish it
2: yeah i mean listen it's it's not an easy easy gig everyone just sees the uh the game day and says hey you know Look, he just shows up, he makes money, he's he's good, you know, but people don't realize the sacrifice, the determination, the grit, all those things, especially the sacrifice, right? Like with the family, Um, listen, it's a great job. Uh, it's a 24-7, 365-a-year job being an NFL quarterback, especially a backup. And what a lot of people don't understand is um, it's difficult because you're the one that's wanting to play. You're always out there. trying to be the one to go out there but you also have to support the backup and um you know I was lucky and blessed enough the first really seven years of my career to be in one spot or two spots so I was in I was in New Orleans for four KC for three that's where we first met when you were drafted um and then after that the next seven years I was on five different teams so the first seven with two, the next seven with five. And oh, by the way, we added kids starting in 2017, 2020, 2021. All three of my kids are born in three different cities across America. Um, you talk about the stress on the wife and the kids and just um, how many hours it takes. You're moving constantly. And when we move, we're, we're not doing it like, hey, we just pick up and go. It's like full furniture. We want everything to feel like home. The wife's you know stressing out. Uh, the kids are in shambles. Luckily, they were they were young enough to where it doesn't really matter. They weren't in school. But so, you know, out here in San Diego is our full-time home. And when we moved out here full-time, we we're like, you guys are staying here. And luckily, I was just right up the road 60, 60 miles in uh, in uh, Costa Mesa the last two years. So it's been pretty lucky.
3: Well, I, I think the the one thing that really impressed me, because I think that there is that tough balance of of wanting to be the starting quarterback. I mean, we all grew up young quarterbacks. We want to be a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like that's the that's the lifelong dream. And watching you do what you did for three years, backing up Alex and then backing up Carson his his, his rookie year in Philadelphia. I I wish I was smarter because you yeah. were grinding to be the starting quarterback. Don't get me wrong, and you were good enough to do it. But you also were never, I'll say, an asshole to the starter you were never an asshole to Alex. You were never an asshole to her. Your mentality was how can I serve you that servant like mentality yeah. where, I mean, you were the first one in man. Like I live for those. That are, I live with chase. When I <laughs> got picked up by Philadelphia, I live with chase for the first two, three months of the season. And he'd come banging on my door at five o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. <laughs> and saying, Hey, you got 10 minutes because the car leaves in 10 minutes and we're going to go, you know, and we'd get there first and watch meetings and yeah. get things set up. So like, Talk about that servant like mentality to help prepare the starting quarterback for what he needed to do.
2: Well, I always tell people there's a there's one of two things that you gotta do as a backup to be successful. And the first one is without a doubt, you gotta play well. When your number's called, whether it's two times a year or seven starts a year or mop-up duty, like you have to play well and you have to put it on film. Is that preseason games? You know, a lot of people were we pissed off when it went to three preseason games, um, be, it's especially quarterbacks, because like, look, that fourth preseason game, I've seen people, not necessarily quarterbacks, but people make rosters on the fourth preseason game. So now you're cutting it by 25 percent to where it's only three three games. So like preseason, I took it serious every single day in preseason because like that's really when you get to go. And that's when other teams look. That's how I got my first deal in Kansas City. My first four years in New Orleans, like I balled out. Like I, I balled out in the preseason. I didn't really get ever get my first start till 2013. So I was my fifth year in the league before my first start. So you got to play well. And the other one is you have to be an excellent teammate. And what do I mean by that? As a quarterback, you wear, as a backup quarterback, you wear a lot of different hats. The number one thing is you have to do whatever the starter wants to do to make sure he feels like he's ready to play a game. <clears throat> and so that's different. That's different with – Drew Brees, that's different with Alex Smith, Carson Wentz, Mitch Trubisky, everything is different. Justin Herbert, it's all different. And you sort of have to be, uh, you sort of have to be like a transformer. You have to morph into what the starter wants you to be. And you ultimately have to have a really good relationship with the starter because he has to be able to trust you when he comes off the sideline. The, the biggest compliment to a backup is if I see a starter go off the sideline and go straight to the backup quarterback instead of a coach, to me, that's what I always wanted because that was the biggest compliment of um, a starter trusting his backup. So those are the, the, the main – the two things. And, and, and hard work, that was just put in from me from an early day. Like I always thought, hey, if I'm the most prepared that I can possibly be on a field or a practice or whatever it is, I felt like I gave myself a chance to be more successful.
3: No, a hell of a hell of a hell of a career. I do want to go to a little bit of a funny story with, with us um, during my time in Kansas city and Philadelphia a little bit. This is a, a little bit of hazing, but this isn't Northwestern hazing here. There was no uh, mass. There was no dry humping. There was no naked snaps, anything like that. But I was in charge of donuts uh, mm. and chase loves his fucking donuts. Absolutely loves donuts. <laughs> I've never met anyone who loves his jelly filled donuts more mm. than chase Daniel. Love it. Oh, uh, how did that get started with me? And and did you have to have to play that role before I got to Kansas City in your in your, your previous spot in New Orleans?
2: Oh, dude, that's why I gave you that role. I, I was like, that was like the one thing that Drew Brees and Mark Brunel, my very first year, they were like, you're getting donuts and you're getting Krispy Kreme and you're getting jelly, you're getting jelly filled. And so like, I just got into a mode like, hey, Friday in the National Football League is donut day. You go in, the game plans in, you study a little red zone that day. You feel really confident. The game plan starts to come together. You have a cup of coffee. You're eating your donut. You're watching some film. Um, and so, yeah, I did that for four years. So when, when you came, I was like, well, I'm not the youngest guy in the room anymore. So you got to do it. And then it, it went on to Tyler Bray. And every third quarterback that we've ever had or I've ever been in a room with, they're getting donuts. It's, it's everywhere. I don't think it's me that brought it but it's everywhere. I don't know why the jelly filled. it was always a raspberry jelly yeah. filled, crispy cream. And we ended up starting to go more local spots in Kansas city. And I know yeah. um, it was, it was good though. It was, it was like the donut day was Friday in the NFL.
3: Uh, and my favorite story is still, so we'd have those, those fr- Friday mornings. We had to be there at what, like five, five thirty. we'd get to the facility. So I would drive from my spot to Krispy cream, right by the stadium, right by the facility. Well, this Friday, I guess Krispy Kreme was close. So I get there at 5 15, 5 30. It's it was like a holiday, so I, right? Yeah, some holiday. So I get to the facility and Chase being Chase is all like, well, go go find me some damn donuts somewhere else. So I'm like, no, it's it's I've already been driving around for an hour. I just got to the facility. It's 5 45 in the morning. There are no donut places anywhere near the facility besides that one Krispy Kreme. So Chase is like, no, you are getting donuts and he went to like coach reed You went to Nagy. You went to to um dougie fresh and dougie fresh is like aaron where are the donuts at where's my donut where's my donut chase oh, you would, would, would eat
2: the donuts for oh, yeah. sure
3: yeah doug peterson loved him some donuts oh. so so i get in my car drive 45 minutes to to um the burbs of kansas city get crispy cream Drive back another forty-five minutes, so I'm late to the quarterback meeting. Which I get, I get a pass because I'm getting donuts for the quarterbacks. Um, so I've been in my car for almost two hours to finally get Krispy Kreme donuts. And um, damn it, I put some sriracha and Chase's donut to make sure that he never forgot that day, as well as I never forgot that day, also
2: oh my gosh dude that was one of the funniest things and the whole and the whole thing about it is that Nagy, who was the quarterback coach at the time was in on it and i'm like dude nags you're my guy and you're this rookie and you so you get there i'm in the bathroom i don't know what, what like whatever You well, it, put Chase, Sriracha. it was
3: it was alex's idea i think so I'm gonna call yeah, of it alex's. Alex's idea. Yeah, yeah of course it was yeah
2: of course it was alex's but but you still did it and um Dude, I remember coming back. I take a bite of the jelly. I'm like, oh, man, they put a little spice in this raspberry jelly (laughs) today. I take another bite, and I'm like, gosh, dog, like what in the heck? Like you guys, and y'all start cracking up. It's all film. Nagy still has it on his phone, but I still remember you getting donuts the rest of your career there. So it didn't help you from not getting donuts. You still Still, were able to do it. Still in my duty.
3: All right, but before we get into uh, to college football, I do have one last question just on your career. So you're with Drew, you're with Alex, but then you also talked about Carson. We were both with him as his rookie year. You're with Mitch Trubisky when he was young, and then obviously in San Diego. Um, what is more rewarding to you, as as because obviously you're closer in age to Alex, you're a little bit younger than than Drew, but then obviously these young rookies were were significantly younger, and you had to play. You talk about those different hats. I would say in an even different hat. What was more fun and what was more rewarding working with quarterbacks at different stages of their career?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Like the first two or three years of my or two stops of my career, it was like, hey, you are gonna be there and you're gonna be the guy's like right hand man. You're the same, like younger or same age. Like with Drew, Drew sort of like it was a different experience because he sort of taught me everything I needed to know. And what better guy than a future Hall of Famer than Drew Brees? But he taught me how to, you know, I thought I knew how to watch film. Okay, it's not, it's not what you're seeing, it's why are defensive coordinators doing this. It's why are they, it's, it's he taught me the why of a lot of things. And so I was really prepared and brought a lot of that to Kansas City. Where Alex before me, he never he never watched film with his backup ever. It was always him and there, and then we we got this like good groove going for three years where we'd go into the coach's office and we were just roll on film on Tuesdays, Tuesdays, the off day, not the quarterbacks, were in from eight to three, uh, as you well know. And so to me, that was really cool to like be the right hand guy. Um, you know, Alex and I had a really great relationship. And then it, it changed the really the first year was um, in Philly, you, you know, it was Sam Bradford at the time. People, people forget that. Um, and it was me and then they drafted Carson. So it sort of like flipped from like, hey, it's me and Sam, same age, to like, hey, you gotta be a mentor. And so that was cool. And then obviously uh, back to New Orleans for one, but then Trubisky for two years, that was awesome because he really bought into like, hey, what can I do to be better? How can I better succeed? And it's like, it's not not because of me you're gonna succeed, but I can help you with a little tips outside of the field on how to best prepare yourself to put yourself in a successful position. So definitely, definitely the mentor type. And the last two years with Justin have been really, really good because the dude is just like such a nice guy, but everyone sees, you know, what he does on the field. People don't see how he treats his teammates, how he treats everyone. It's like, yes, sir, no, ma'am, um, raised by really great parents. And it's just it, every experience is different. And I think that's what's been able to mold me to be able to sort of fit what these quarterbacks' needs are.
3: Okay, let's – Hell of a career, my man. I don't know if anyone has done it better than uh, than you. So uh, we will see. Chase is still TBD on Next Steps, but it's July, so that decision is probably coming up here in the near future. So good luck to that. All right, let, let's transition to a little college football talk. Um, you're from the state of Texas. Big news a year ago. Texas, Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, moving to the SEC. You went to a school. They were still part of the conference that transitioned from the uh, that conference to the SEC. That is Missouri. So you kind of got to witness that from, you know, from an alumni standpoint, you being from Texas and you seeing Missouri make that transition, I would say Texas a little bit more equipped to make it, even though Missouri did have success early on your thoughts on, on, on just the realignment and college football in general and how Texas Oklahoma are going to take place in the SEC.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I when I first saw and and heard and and, and got told, you know, about six months before, hey, from our AD at the time, Mike and hey, we're going to the SEC. I go, why? Like to me, I was like, it made no sense because I grew up in Texas, um, grew up in Big 12 country and Big 12 Conference, by the way, during that time was elite. It was elite. It wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't quite on the level of SEC, but like almost there. Um, but SEC probably had two or three teams, the Florida, the Tim Tebow's, Georgia's, obviously, um, Alabama, you know, uh, with Greg McElroy, who with, went, to, went to our high school. And so when, when, that, when I got told that, I was like, why? And then I started doing a little bit more research, a little more. I'm like, oh, they're just following the money. They're just going where the money is because the Big 12 Conference. So they were ahead of their time in the bandwagon. And then recently, especially since NIL, all this conference realignments, so you got – you know, from the Pac-12, UCLA and USC are, are rolling. I'm like, that makes no sense. From from the Big 12, you got the two powerhouses, probably the best teams in the Big 12. Um, Texas, Oklahoma, going to SEC. So it's like you you're seeing all these super conferences sort of try to align and form and compete with the SEC. Well, good luck. There's no competing with the SEC, especially when you're getting Texas and Oklahoma. You have the, you know, Tennessee was like a surprise story last year. I mean, it's just like reload, especially with the transfer portal, everything going on in today's college football. It's like you can automatically just like get better overnight. Like, hey, not only are you having to recruit other people, I mean, Georgia, for instance, you guys got two two more amazing stud receivers in the transfer portal. And it's like, you know, from Missouri, you you stole our best guy, Dominic Plovic. Like, like, he's like our best guy, and he'll probably be a number three at Mizzou or Georgia or afford but he wants to win a ring. He wants to go in and win another ring. So like that's the problem you have in today. I don't know if I like it. I don't really have an opinion on it, but it is what it is. Whereas if you're a head coach at an SEC school or a Big 12 school or a Pac 12 school, like you're having to not only recruit so many other kids, you have to recruit your own kids. You have to say, "Hey, we have deep enough pockets." That's what it all is is about now. It's all about the money. It's all about what can you do for me lately? And you know, you could have a, a starting quarterback at, uh, state a uh, Minnesota. Just take for instance a Minnesota who sets all sorts of records, and Minnesota wins eight or nine games for the first time in a while. Uh, now I'm going to go and uh, go to Ohio State and finish. Right. And it's like your, it's like your premier guy. So it's 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 a little we bit up in that arms. With, we
3: saw, that, we just saw that with Sam <clears throat> Hartman at Wake Forest. He just set the ACC record for most career touchdowns in that conference. And it's picking up and going to Notre Dame. Like it, it just, it's weird to me because we've seen multiple power five quarterbacks leave. Like Spencer Sanders at, at Oklahoma State, a yep. f- three or four year starter at a power five school, a team that was pretty darn good last year, was in contention for, for the Big 12 for the majority of the season, opts to leave to go to yep. another power five school. Sam Hartman leave. Like I just, it, it's hard for me because I feel like I'm so loyal to Georgia. Like I started there, I played there. I would have never fathomed to say, okay, I'm going to go leave and go somewhere else for a year. Could you ever have done that as a player of just picked up and leave after starting? JLab has something for everyone with earbuds and headphones that are as versatile as you are. Perfect for calls, listening to podcasts and working out. They are built for every single moment. JLab is proud to partner with Powerhouse College Athletics, UCLA, Duke, gonzaga indiana st john's tcu vanderbilt arkansas minnesota san diego state and more from lively tailgates to coaches play calling and courtside rivalries to college athletics nil deals Labs joins the action and connects with 182 million plus college sports fans nationwide they're excited to partner with 17 d1 college schools showcasing their passion and loyalty of fans and athletes across the United States. Whether creating cutting-edge tech products or pursuing athletic greatness, being the best takes hard work and commitment. JLab is proud to partner with schools who are showcasing the hard work, perseverance, and even the championship celebrations across all college sports. Use code SNAPS25 for 25% off your order. Visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Warning, this product contains nicotine,
2: it's such a different college football landscape as you well know and and i'm you know three or four years older than you and so it was even it, it was ingrained in my soul uh, uh, like from an early age like from my dad he was like dude you're committing if you're committing to missouri you're staying there i don't care what anyone else does and sure enough texas comes calling which was my dream school on signing day and, and Mac Brown calls our head coach, Todd Dodge at the time. And he's like, Hey, is there any chance we could flip? Cause Ryan Perilu at the time flipped to LSU and and Todd, Todd Dodge goes, have you met his dad? There's no, there's no way that, you know, Todd Dodge said this to Mac Brown, there's no way he's switching. Like there's just none. And so um, it, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting like few years since NIL came because it completely changed everything. Like for me, I mean, it would have been awesome to make a little dough. Uh, We could barely afford $350 rent with scholarship checks back in the day, back in 05 and 06. But it's just such a different landscape of college football today.
3: All right, go back to Texas. Uh, You're from there. You know how much football means to that state. Texas has been irrelevant since our boy Colt McCoy left back in, what, 2009 after that national championship. I mean, really, if, if as had maybe one or two good years, but not to that level that we would expect a, a brand like Texas to have, especially in a conference that hasn't been the SEC. It hasn't been the Big Ten. They have more talent. They're just not maximizing that talent. Yeah, Where is the disconnect in Texas? Why is Texas football not Alabama, not Georgia, not Ohio State, not Michigan, not the elite of the elite year in and year out?
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, you hit it right on the head was, uh, you know, since Colt McCoy days, which is my my days. I mean, since 09, yeah. they haven't had a 10-win season. Are you kidding me? Like, since 09, you haven't won double-digit games? Um, and so it's it's always been this thing. I feel like the last five years has been like, Texas preseason, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be awesome. And for whatever reason, is it talent? Is it coaching? Is it a mix? Is it, it like, what is it? Um, is it not playing um, good enough Entitlement? Teams?
3: Is there a sense of entitlement there at all I in, mean, the, in Texas?
2: I, well, I just think in general, from when we came out to college kids now, there's a major sense of entitlement. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, I'm not playing unless I get six figures. And you yeah. know what? I don't even care about the NFL if you're some middle-range guy, which Missouri leaned on heavily Because I'm not even gonna make it in the league. I'm just gonna try to make as much money as I can here and then and then go on with my life. So I think entitlement in general is a major problem in college football. But with Texas, it's just like, man, like when are they like, you know, for betting, they're like the seventh most betted on team this year to win a national championship. To win to win the national championship. I'm like, how? Their defense is god-awful. They finished 122nd overall last year in defense. Now, I love Texas because like, my guy, Quinn Ewers, went to went to, uh, South Lake Carroll. Like, I think he is a real deal. He stays healthy. You saw what he, what he was able to do against Alabama last year. I mean, they got another test at Alabama early on this year. So, I, I don't know. I mean, Sark's got to get them rolling. It's just it, – it, you know, my sister went to, to Texas. I grew up a Texas fan, and so it sort of pains me to see, like, man, like what is going on? Like – with that program, because the talent is there, and everyone says that about everything. Hey, we have the talent. We have the talent, but there has to be some type of team camaraderie, teams coming together, teams being able to do something outside of the talent. Because talent don't eat. If you don't play well, you're not. You're not. You're not rolling. It, it's a. It's a whole. It's a symbiotic relationship that's really difficult right now for Texas to to try and pick up on.
3: Well, if my co-host was here, he would say it's Steve Sarkeesian is the problem right now. Why Texas is not winning? He's he's in the feeling of if they don't win 10 games, Sark needs to go before uh Texas moves to the SEC next season. So we'll see. Uh obviously you see the helmet behind me. You know I went to Georgia. Back-to-back national champs. Um, you were part of, of Super Bowl winning teams. What's the difficulty that they face going for the three peat, though? Do you think that it's real that like there's extra pressure on them or that there's a you know teams are going to play that much harder Like, because i always laugh at that because like if you're if you're an athlete if you're not playing hard why the hell are you playing like i'm not going to get yeah. more up for georgia compared to alabama compared to lsu <clears throat> compared to tennessee what is the dynamic though of being a reigning champion uh from a guy that's one at the highest of high levels
2: yeah, I mean, I, I I I think you're always, if you're Georgia, for the last 10 years, you're getting everyone's best shot. And I think that's what makes what they've been doing so much more impressive because they are maybe playing a little bit. Like, what are you going to do? Like, put extra trick plays in? Yeah, okay. yeah, You, you might have a double reverse flea flicker pass. Okay, cool, but that's one touchdown. You still got to score. And what I think has been so impressive about Georgia is not really their offense. All those stats in the last few years has been – Lights out. It's their defense, dude. It's like, it's like you're not scoring against us. So if you don't score against us, really, ever, like, we're going to figure it out on offense. We're going to pound the ball. Um, and I mean, it, first of all, a, a, a two peat, like, back to back is hard enough, right? Like, you're talking like college football history, right? I did some research. Minnesota, 1934, 35, and 36 is the only three peat in the AP era. 30s. So like a okay. hundred, almost a hundred years ago, and to me, it's going to be impressive to watch. I mean, obviously, Carson Beck's probably going to win that win that job, and and you talk about the transport; he's been there for what three years and hasn't moved, hasn't done anything, which is also awesome. like a hell of a story. It's awesome, hell a story. yeah, hell of a story. And it's just like it's it's not a it's just a reload for Georgia. So I think there is some extra pressure um, on the players because I guarantee you, Kirby has talked about hey, we just got to do one day at a time. You know, his whole speech is like, don't get comfortable. But but like being a three-peat, like the guys in the locker room know, like that's really – that's been done before once. So like you're going to go down in college football history, one of the best dynasties ever if you can three-peat.
3: Last one before I let you leave. You you brought up the defense. You brought the offense. This is just a college football as a, as a whole question here. Obviously, we're offensive guys. You played for a high-power offense in Missouri – you've been around some of the best offensive minds and just football in general. What would you take nowadays? though? like, what, what truly wins championships? Cause we've been told our whole life defense wins championships. Georgia just won two national championships with the best defense in college football. But some of the games that in my opinion, that they had to win, it wasn't because of their defenses because of their offense. What, what wins a championship at the end of the day, a defense or an offense?
2: Um, <clears throat> well, I, 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 th- I would say, I would say a combination of both, including special teams. Like you have to have all three phases playing really well together, but like in playoff time, like I would take, I would rather take a defense that is rolling. I mean, Georgia has been not only good, they have been great. They have been outstanding playing defense. So I think that really was the rallying call. And then obviously like everyone knows what Stetson did the last few years, just, just balled out, lights out. But I think he sort of, when he first took over, he was sort of like relying a little bit on defense to give them, oh, yeah. hey, if you can play freely as a quarterback, you're going to play really well. Well, what better way to play freely than a 21 or a 28-point lead? I don't care if it's against Buffalo. I don't care if it's against Kentucky. I don't care if it's, who, who it's against. Like if I can play free and sort of let it rip a little bit, gain some confidence as my defense is is playing lights out. Like that to me is um, the recipe for success.
3: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I chase man, appreciate you jumping on. Uh, make sure you go once again, subscribe, like this video. T Bob and I will be back tomorrow live but uh, I hope you enjoyed a nice little quarterback quarterback one of my mentors Chase and uh, and good luck as we uh, await what you're going to be doing here in uh, in the next few weeks
1: appreciate it my man there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you coming And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. ...and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools.